Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brunt and Christofferson here. It is March something or another. Can't really tell. All the days are bleeding together. Seventh. Seventh, I'm told, from our stats department, which is hard at work at the moment. Gentlemen, how are you? I'm great. I'm pretty good. How you doing, Mike? Yeah, you look (laughs) tan still. (laughs) Thanks, good. Glad that it hasn't evaporated while it snowed here. Uh, I'm good. I'm I'm tired of Nebraska weather. Uh, looking forward to to moving on from that. But nobody nobody really wants to talk about weather. What I do want to bring up is is something that occurred at the end of last week. One of our podcast listeners reached out to me and wondered of the general age difference of the the group here. And I said, oh, which one do you think is the oldest? And he said, Brunts. And I was like, okay. He has a maturity about him. I can see that. I was like, so how old do you think he is? And he's like, well, if you gave me the under on 39, I don't think I would take it. (laughs) And so I sent this to Brunts, and he was uh, not amused. Man. What are you, 35? 34. Barely 34. I'm 30. I'm the young Jeez. guy. Over How there. old did you think BC was? Uh, 23. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what he said, but he, he's like, oh, Brunts is definitely older. I was like, ah, no. I don't think so. So Just turned 37 over here, buddy. Yeah, there you go. You're on the downward slide to 40. Yeah. You what? start just counting the days now. <laughs> you have like a really big paper chain. This is going to turn really dark in our I was For some reason, I was just imagining on your refrigerator, you have a whiteboard, and it just has the amount of days, and you just erase it, and it squeaks like each morning as you write I've done the a math number. equation to figure out if everything works out fine. I should live to like 78, and I have the days counted down to like... <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> I'm a little dark. It's all right. I, 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 I appreciate every day that I'll be given. I'm 37, though. Yeah, well... Now that now that that is out of the way, man, thirty nine, thirty nine. Well, not he said he wouldn't take the unders on thirty nine. So I take it as a compliment. It's kind of a way of saying that you have this this experience. You don't jump into the pool just because someone of, tells you to. See, but I took it as like I'm completely out of touch and boring, which might be true. But I mean, I'm young and I'm boring and out of touch. So young, youngish. You've got an A's hat that proves you still have some youth to you. It's a pretty, it's a pretty, like youthful modern A's hat, I would say. Yeah, it's it, it's a what do they call them, a snapback or whatever. You have a snapback, but then I bent it a little bit because I'm old. <laughs> you got the bent snap. You wouldn't go all Ricky Fowler with it. No, I couldn't do that. Yeah, it's tough to pull off for sure. Oh, we're working our way back to hats, and that was unpopular yeah. one week. With yeah, we, we better be careful here. <laughs> All right, so one last thing before we jump into what people actually want to listen to, which is Nebraska talk. Uh, the the Oscars were on Sunday. Any any hot takes from from you movie buffs? All three movies between the two of you that you watched. Well, I, I, before we started recording, I, I thought the hottest take that I had was my confusion as to why. Francis McDormand was replaced quickly by a seat filler, but it turns out that that was just her son. So <laughs> that was that was very confusing. Um, also, did you did you guys know that Kobe Bryant was up for an Oscar? I did not. That was confusing as well. Did you see him sitting back there, like before his category was up? Because they kind of did like a slow pan. I forget who was sitting near him, uh-uh. 
and I was like, I didn't pause like the DVR or anything like that, but I was like, I thought that was Kobe Bryant, and then all of a sudden there he is winning an Oscar. I enjoyed just him standing next to the other guy up there, like waiting for his turn to speak about this Oscar and just the the side. I don't know. NBA players standing next to regular people is always something that makes me laugh. Here's a question. Who's had the most accomplished cinematic career between Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and Shaquille O'Neal? Um, Michael Jordan. Oh. No, it, it's got to be Shaq, right? Blue chips alone. No. Why are you saying Jordan? Just because Space Jam? Has he, been, has he been in any other movies? Def, what Does there need to be another movie is what I'm getting at? He, he made it's Space Jam. It's like you know, if you if you made one flew over the cuckoo's nest, do you have to do anything else after that? I didn't realize you were that big on one flew over what, the cuckoo's nest. One of my hot takes that <laughs> if we Oscar. would have done that was going to be that Space Jam is not as good as you remember it. Did like, you watched it recently to confirm? Yeah, like so, I I don't know why people lose their crap. So about you're saying it. there's been an overbuild in recent years about it? It's all nostalgia. I feel like it's the same way when people react to like Toto by Africa, or Africa by Toto. Excuse me. Same yeah. thing. See, I, this is why people might think that you're for it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I could bring this into a discussion about how Wayne Knight might be the finest actor of our generation, though. He was in Space Jam, Seinfeld. Seinfeld. He was in JFK. Jurassic in, Park? Yes. I mean, he's... <laughs> yeah, he, we, we know he was in Jurassic Park, don't we? He just pops up in, like, memorable movies. And he, he always plays a guy that, even though he's not the star, you you're, you walk away, like, wanting more of Wayne Knight. Is he still alive? I'm pretty yeah. sure, yeah. He's really skinny now. There was... Oh, I know why you thought that. There was a rumor that he died one time on social media. Like, oh. it went around for like four hours, and then it turned out he was fine. Yeah, I'm old. I don't get social media. No. So I'm easily taken <laughs> in by Facebook posts and scams. As for the Oscars this year, I only kind of half-watched them, as apparently most of America did. But I, I only had seen two movies, so that was a big part of it. Yeah, so I nailed that. One from you, two from you. <laughs> yep. All I right. would... I get that some people want to get out to win and we're all fired up, but I I looked at those movies and it's not that I'm down on them. It's just like I thought this there's some years where these movies would just get crushed by the competition. That was kind of my take. Says the guy who's seen two of them. That's <laughs> we, like one of those. <laughs> but, but we, I mean, we also determined that there's been some pretty crappy movies that have been nominated for Best Picture, including Babe, which was up against <laughs> Braveheart and Apollo 13. <laughs> In 1995, I want to find. I'm gonna find it after this podcast. That you know, when they go through and they they name off the nominees, I just love the idea of Babe popping up in between those. It was the original photo that immediately comes up as just a pig. You've got like you've got Tom Hanks white knuckling it in a space capsule, cut to like a pig. Do you feel like Guillermo del Toro missed an opportunity by not getting a seat for somebody to wear the the fish creature costume at the Oscars and then when they won, could have been up on stage? (laughs) Like that that feels like that moment should have happened and I feel cheated that it didn't. That's that's from the uh, fish sex movie, right? (laughs) That's that's what won your best picture of 2017. Okay. That's the the gist of it? Woman and a fish? Yeah, what is the gist of it? Have a fish child? Uh, <laughs> it's a Cold War story in which a... Um, You've seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Okay. I went to it in theaters. It was fine. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, it's, it's got everything. It's got the the Russians espionage, um, a creature that doesn't belong, crazy Michael Shannon running throughout the movie threatening to kill people. Uh, so it's I don't know. I can't a woman really does fall for a fish. Though, oh yeah, kind of. yeah, absolutely. Okay. Isn't that the uh, what was the movie in the eighties? Again, I'm like forty. Uh, Splash, the Tom Hanks yeah. movie with mm-hmm. Daryl Hannah. Yeah. Is it kind of the same thing? I think she's a mermaid though in that, right? <laughs> I don't think it's the same thing at all. <laughs> I don't I don't even think it's in the same ballpark. <laughs> but it's like a human being falls in love with like a sea creature. Yeah, I'm guessing the background <laughs> is a lot darker in uh in this one than in Splash. The uh Daryl Hannah. That was a Ron Howard Splash was vehicle. Yeah. Wow. Good to know he went on to do a little bit more than Splash. What to be the narrator in Arrested Development? Here's a question for you. <laughs> an underrated Ron Howard role, really. What's a movie that you think people in general say they like because they think they have to say it, but they don't really? I will start. Okay. <laughs> the Godfather. I love The Godfather. I think the gen- and I think there's a decent percentage that love The Godfather. I think the general population as a whole I bet there's a lot of people who have never seen The Godfather in its entirety. And, but yet, it's one of those where they feel like, I have to say that I like The Godfather. So, I actually just recently watched The Godfather and was surprised by how much it still held my I love attention and everything. It, I ended up immediately watching Godfather 2 after that as well, which I've flipped on. I now no longer think Godfather 2 But you Godfather are kind of a movie like, yeah. guy. What yeah. I'm saying is like the general, the general population. Is that a... Our tour, no. Uh, cinephile, I don't know. Okay. I I I know what you were going for. I don't know how to pronounce the word, and I don't want to try to say it. All right. Another movie I could say. I don't know that most people, but I think some people who watch a lot of movies always like to say love say they love the Deer Hunter, and I get that. I get the genius behind the Deer Hunter, but sometimes I'll, I've I've watched it once or twice, and I'm just like I can't get through this. It's hard. a depressing movie. <laughs> Brunch, you're old. What do you think about these movies? <laughs> Give uh, us one from the 50s. <laughs> back when I was a kid. Oh, man. <laughs> you would have said Citizen Kane. I might 12, 12 Angry Men in 1957. <laughs> it's a good movie. I mean, it was pretty the revolutionary original. when they did Kill a Mockingbird in cinema, I thought. Mm-hmm. I remember that as a kid. <laughs> Going to the Nickelodeon? Yeah. Um, what was the double feature that day? <laughs> I think I think they did a uh, throwback with the jazz singer that day. Um, <laughs> you got Gregory Peck and Al Jolson. Yeah. Look at you. Big fan of the talkies. Um, You're taking this hard. Anyway. A little bit. Should we move on? We're 10 minutes in. Yeah, yeah we're... The stats is... department is waving their arms wildly <laughs> to move on. Okay, well, we'll jump into Nebraska talk, and I'll try to come up with an answer for Christofferson's question later. I'm looking still. Go ahead. Where do we... Uh, let's just start with basketball and just get that trash out of the way. Let's bludgeon some bubble talk. All right, bludgeon away, Brunts. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the bubble talk. That's all I got. So you, it's it's over. You're just saying get a grip, people. It's done. No, I well, I think it's close. I think it's real close. Um, real, real close. What done is in like they're not making it, or done is in they're like, not going. No, I don't think so. You don't think you think it's up in the air. I mean, a 2% chance in the air? That Okay. Yeah, what percent chance do you think there they end go. up in the NCAA tournament? Less than five. 
I'm in the same boat. Um, unless BC's in the optimism yeah. boat over there. No, not really. He's I'd, looking at 7%. I'd say like 15%. Oh, so wow. That's not real 15? Optimism. Yeah. Why? Um, He's holding out on the wild card. Well, What's that? Rasmussen? The eye test? The fact that the tournament selection committee does something random i give it 15 percent because i just think even though all these things are out there you don't know what those people in the room specifically are looking for like maybe maybe a week ago they had nebraska in for all we know they had them in as like a 10 seed and then they slipped to like dayton i 15 percent to me is pretty low so i don't think this is going to happen so i'm not trying to get people fired up about the idea I do remember the when they made it in '98, Knee's last team. It, it doesn't seem like there was as many bracketologists at the time, um, and obviously the internet wasn't as it was, and we didn't have social media, so you didn't see all these predictions. But I didn't think that team was going to get in, and I remember being surprised as a high school kid when they got the 11 seed. Didn't wasn't there a team right around there that got left out that had a 20 win season? As well. Uh, well, I don't know what the team that won the NIT in 96, what their record was. They had that streak in the walkout and just things were chaotic. But that that team, I will always argue, I'd have to look at their roster, but I think that was Nebraska's maybe best team they had. Wow. You know, one that won the NIT. Why they went on this losing streak in the middle of the year is beyond me. But anyway, that has nothing to do with the current day. I'll say 15%. Yeah, I'm with Brunson. I'm under five. I don't think they have much of a chance. Um, it's unfortunate. The way they lost to Michigan is unfortunate. It does help that Michigan went on crushed, you know, Purdue in the championship game and beat up Michigan State in the, the semifinal. And so it makes Nebraska look like a team that just faced a juggernaut that they had beaten earlier in the year. The more interesting conversation to me is one that I sort of had with myself on twitter on saturday why is it that nebraska when they get to these sorts of moments particularly the men's sports in the last decade or so that game against michigan felt exactly like the baylor game i mean just verbatim a team just coming out looks okay for the first four minutes and then just absolutely distance themselves from nebraska and 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 tim miles looked flustered their rotation wasn't very good. These guys who run the one-three-one defense to have helped them out of holes before could no longer figure out who was covering or when they were supposed to switch. It was just a bizarre performance, and for it to happen when it did was really harmful for Nebraska. I think that in that game there were a couple things going on. I I, I think Michigan was a little red-assed, to be honest, from the, the game that they had lost in Lincoln. I th- think that that was – you know, when you look at their season, that's one of their losses that really stands out like a sore thumb with, you know, just getting completely dominated. Um, I think that John Beeline is a hell of a basketball coach, and I don't know that there's, you know, denying any of that. And his teams always play good basketball at the end of the season. Um, you know, I think a little bit of maybe what's overlooked is I think Michigan did benefit in some ways from having to play the first day or the second day of the tournament, but their first day before Nebraska against Iowa, because, you know, you get used to Madison square garden, you get used to that setting, you shoot in that arena. I mean, you you go and look at, 
the way that teams kind of struggled in their first games there, I think there's a little bit something to that. I mean, that yeah. doesn't excuse the fact that Nebraska looked, you know, completely lost on defense, especially in that game. And I mean, you missed 19 of 20 shots. I mean, yeah. it's yes, it's coaching at the same time, like. You know, yeah, I don't mean to put it all on Tim Miles no, by any measure, but, but there was moments in that game where he could have gotten better control of that team. No, I absolutely, and I I think that you know what Michigan did is they they weren't a, a similar attack to you know what what they did in Lincoln. I mean, they got Mo Wagner going, and they did it in different ways without him just sitting behind the three point line shooting jump shots, which is kind of what happened in the first matchup. So I, I think you have to give Michigan a lot of credit. I mean. I, I don't know why Nebraska craps the bed um, in big moments in, in men's sports. It has happened a lot, but you know I, I think that particular instance, I, I think there was a lot of factors that kind of added up to, you know, things looking really bad for Nebraska. To that question, which is an interesting one because it brings it to football too. Do you think and baseball? Do you think it's in part because? People get so wired up here about Husker sports, like beyond what they do in most places, where it's there's just so much riding on that team. And like, if you think back to before Melvin Gordon bludgeoned Nebraska for 408 yards, the mood in Nebraska that week, I remember it was just this tense. They got to win this game. They got to beat Wisconsin finally. And it's just like in the air the whole time. And sometimes I I think, you know. It's t- it's tough for those guys inside those walls to ignore that, and I I think it's easy for us to say, oh, you should be able to get past that. That's not a big deal. But the pressure builds and builds on people's shoulders, and they feel like they're going to let everybody down if they don't do it. And I do think the expectations of the fan base here and just the way they care so much about it um, adds a layer that you have to deal with. I do. Yeah, I I, I can fully accept that. If you're talking about one team over the span of a few years, but you're talking about three teams over a decade plus that when they've gotten to the conference championship stage have struggled, have failed, have flamed out, and they've done it in a variety of ways. It's not like it's the same thing every time. Um, It's just – it's weird to me that it just continually happens. Well, you're also talking about teams that – Let's face it; they they haven't seen it go the other way enough. Where right. they you have that confidence that okay, something bad happened, but the next thing is going to be good. Like after a certain while, that history builds up, and you know Nebraska football is no longer running on '90s history. The guys in the roster they're running on the history of teams that have imploded, and you know, and the chair gets taken out from under them, and it just turns into a mess. So that's that's what in their minds, whether they want to or not, they kind of think about, oh, this is what's going to happen, I think. Same thing with basketball. I mean, it's you're talking about a program that hasn't broken through, really. So they, they have nothing to lean on from their past of, oh, remember that one time we were, you know, we're down in the Sweet 16 two years ago and we rallied? I mean, there's none of that. And so you have to build it on its own. And at some point, you got to do it, and you got to be the first to do it and start a new tradition of winning. But it's—I think that's difficult to do. Well, even compared Nebraska in you know what was has been one of their better teams in the last decade this year compared to a couple of years ago, where they make a deep run in the Big Ten tournament because you basically have no pressure. I mean, it's—I I think there is something to that. 
but I mean, it's when you kind of start looking back at the last time that, you know, fo- the football program won a big game when there was something on the line. I mean, you're talking like 2010 Missouri. I mean, it's about as close as it gets. Like, have they, have they won one of those, like, get over the top type games in the Big Ten? Because you, that's about when you have to go back to. I mean, the the run of games in 2012 where they kept pulling them off was interesting, but it was not like they did that against some team. Yeah, where like Michigan was, was the best team they beat in that where stretch. It was like it a wasn't, yeah. prime time showdown, really. I mean, probably their best win, you know, when they've been ranked versus another ranked team in the Big Ten was. I mean, that would have been that Michigan State game at home in Kirk 2011. Yeah. Is that yeah? Your, yeah, that's probably their your best guy game. Kirk Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Got picked off by uh was it Lance Sorrell? Lance yeah. Sorrell. In the first fourth play or so. Yeah. That'll be a good trivia question to know for some of us, I imagine. For your Vikings quarterback, Kirk I, Cousins. Lance Sorrell from Loomis, I believe. Yeah. Uh it hasn't been finalized. We don't we don't know. I understand it's headed that way though. Could be. That or he just takes a fifty million dollar a year job with the Jets. Could do that. It's not a bad way to live. Throws to Quincy every day. I'm not making excuses for Kirk bas- Cousins. No, I, I will soon next year. The, you hope. the basketball team, but as I was watching Friday, as there was kind of that. Of course, this is happening because you know it. There had been such buildup. You're playing a team that has been there, done that before in Michigan. And, and a good team. Like yeah. I, I don't want to leave that out either. They're starting like, they're to play really – you could tell, like, okay, Michigan's starting to play really good basketball, and Nebraska unfortunately drew them right here in the quarters. It, you know, if they played Ohio State, I'm not saying it's different, but that's a team I think Nebraska – it would have been a yeah. close game. Um, and, and then what? They only shot it for 30 minutes at Madison Square Garden, basically. I mean, they didn't get a walkthrough or anything. No, they, they didn't get in the arena until yeah. basically the, if you watch the warm-ups. This, you can watch it at any level. If you go watch like the state tournament this week, on Thursday morning, there'll be these games where there's teams that average 65, 70 points, and they'll score about 38 in the quarterfinals because they're not used to that venue and shooting you know, in that backdrop and – you know, everybody's a little nervous the first game in a new place, and that doesn't. At some point, you got to get past that excuse and just win. But I, as it was, as I was thinking about it, I was like, yeah, this adds up to about what we should have maybe expected. That's just the general complaint, though, from Nebraska fans is that Nebraska, regardless of the sport for the men, the Big Three haven't been able to just get past it. Like they win the Big Ten Conference in baseball, and they go one and two in Indiana, or was it Purdue last year? Uh, it was Indiana. Indiana. I mean, and then they they go out and don't even score runs when they're out in Oregon State. And that's a continuation of the year before. And people just look at these things and they wonder, at some point, is Nebraska ever going to win? Yeah. I mean, that's where it comes to leadership. And do you have – I think you got to have that coach who has a little almost cockiness. Like, we, we're going to – yeah, we're going to win. I mean, it's going to happen in a few years, and that's what's – the deal is and and guys start to believe it because they're around that all the time and uh it feeds off each other but i you've got to have that coach that thinks it too and then it permeates throughout your whole staff well do we want to jump into to baseball and get that out of the way and finish with football sure 
All right. Here we are. Lay it on us. Well, what do you want me to lay on you? How did Nebraska do over the weekend, Brunts? They finished one and two. And how did that one win come about? In very dramatic fashion. Would you like to describe? Uh, Nebraska ran into a Wichita State team that's close to what you would expect a uh, beer league softball team to play like. So Iowa? Yeah. A lot of mashers, guys that can hit home runs. Um, For a team that's had a lot of injuries on its pitching staff, that's not what you want to see on a day when the wind's blowing out 35 miles an hour. Um, but came back, salvaged a win on Sunday uh, in extra innings, which you know maybe something they can build off of. You've got nine games in an 11-day stretch at Haymarket Park starting Thursday against Cal Poly, um, and then the annual grudge match with Northern Colorado, where it's probably going to be about 25 degrees per usual. I didn't think you were going with degrees there. 25 what? People. Oh. Well, you get a good crowd out there. On a Tuesday. Freeze their asses off. But It's supposed to be really nice next week, so. Is it? Yeah, That's 60s. Woo! Hasn't Northern Colorado tripped them a couple times? They have. They, they, they jump up and bite you. They're, they're, I believe, still coached, or their pitching coach is still uh, Artie Spees, which always makes me oh, smile yeah. a little bit. But um, I don't know. Like w- When you're playing that many games in that short of amount of time with a limited pitching staff, you're going to need some young guys to step up. Um, that's going to be a big one for this team. And, you know, if they can get the bats going too, that would help them a little bit because I believe they upped their average a little bit last weekend. The stats department is looking this up now, but still, you know, nowhere near where they need to be hitting to, to kind of buy some time and get some leads for a, a pitching staff that would probably be pretty appreciative of um, a lead here or there. What's their record at the moment? They are presently 6-5. and five. Which is the best start of the first three weekends in the Erstad era? Which, it's not bad, all things considered. I mean, especially when you consider that of his teams, this is the one that I would say probably has the most question marks going into the the middle part of its season. I was going to ask you if Gene Stevenson still coaches Wichita State, but I looked it up. He does not. 2013. Huskers hitting 229 at the plate, by the way. Um, Jesus. Yeah. So. They, they had some guys that they needed to get figured out. You know, they, they had a hold second base that nobody had really won that job. Uh, Zach Rapinski, a Juco player, looks like he's stepped into that role. Um, guy to kind of pay attention to, Jackson Hallmark, a freshman out of Texas. He's played about four different positions already this year. Looks like he might have found a home in center field. He's kind of got that it factor that you kind of look for in a freshman who's going to help you early on. Uh, kind of the same thing that Angel Altavilla had. Um, it factor being he's hitting better than 229. Uh, hitting 270 right now, but um, a guy that. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a sweet name. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, Man, I'd take that. It's, name a, te- in a, it's a Texas name. Jack- Jackson, Jackson Hallmark. Hallmark. He sounds like he should be a clubhouse leader. J A X O N too. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. There, there's a guy from Texas a long time ago. I remember Buck Cody was his name. He was like a relief pitcher. I was like, that's like the perfect Texas name. It's a really good Texas name. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where things are at with Nebraska baseball. They'll need to get some momentum going here and find some somebody, anybody who can fill innings. So nine games, eleven days. Yes. What is your prediction for how they do during this stretch? Because Cal Poly's not great. Not great. 
but they can they can hit a little bit. I, the the little subtext for this weekend series was last year uh, in the finale when Nebraska was playing out at Cal Poly. One of Cal Poly's uh, hitters took a little bit of a wide turn around first base, ended up bumping into <laughs> Angelo Altavilla. They had to be pulled apart. Didn't sit. I wouldn't say the benches emptied, but there was definitely some bad blood after that happened. So. Um, I'll be curious to see. I, I don't think there will be any high and tight pitches early on. Oh, you don't some, think the first batter stepping in on Thursday is getting the ball behind his uh, just, helmet? Just throw it right to the backstop? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be all right. <laughs> the problem is you couldn't tell if it was planned or not right now. So That's true. So uh, what do you? how do you think they're going to do? Uh, I'm just looking at the schedule here. Can they go five and four? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you've got Northern Colorado for Tuesday, Wednesday, and then three games against Northwestern State, whose mascot, I believe, is the Demons. Is that right? Man. Stats Department. Um, coming back, that's the uh, former employer of Dave Van Horn way back in the day. It's out of Louisiana, I believe. Yes. Um, I think if you go... Demons. You go six and three in that stretch. I, I feel like that's realistic. Got to got to get those Northern Colorado games there. You can't let the the Bears come into your kitchen and push you around. <laughs> Northwestern State's uh, coach is Jay Thomas. Isn't there an actor named Jay Thomas who was like on Cheers? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, stats department not, not worth going. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Always. Schaefer never got into Cheers, so yeah, I, I still haven't started it. So uh, maybe, maybe next time. All right, we will jump from baseball here. Or do you have anything you want to add? No, I'm good. Into football slash recruiting, not uh, not much going on from the last time we spoke. Mike, can you tell us about the 57 offers that Nebraska sent out this week? <laughs> well, let me list all of them for you. Uh, Nebraska's been very busy in terms of recruiting. As uh, Brunt said, a lot of offers going out. I think they're somewhere in the neighborhood of probably 15 to 20 here just since Monday alone. And a variety of positions. A lot of running backs, a lot of Ryan Held um, making offers to guys in his region too. You've had some wide receivers from Oklahoma, uh, an outside linebacker from Vegas that's pretty intriguing to me. Uh, and, And just overall getting those offers out, trying to maintain some momentum that they have from Frost moving over from Central Florida and all of that. So it's it's just kind of that time period where you're throwing it out there, you're seeing what sticks, you're seeing who's interested. The real big news that has come out since we last gathered on Thursday, Nebraska's junior day is going to be March 31st. Uh, I would anticipate a pretty decent amount of guys from the region that are going to be in for that, in addition to obviously your in-state guys as well. Um, the most notable name that we know of at the moment, Marcus Hicks, four-star defensive end from Wichita. It's going to be coming up for his third visit to Nebraska. This will be the first time that he's been around the Scott Frost staff. Uh, Marcus Hicks and his dad, very excited about coming up for the weekend. And that's the kind of guy that, you know, right now, I would guess he ends up at Oklahoma. But this is the kind of person Nebraska really needs to win, in my opinion. And you got a four-star defensive end, four hours from campus. Uh, the family likes the idea of being relatively close to where their son plays. And so you got Norman, and you've got 
Lincoln, and, and those are going to be the, the two schools that they're really looking at. I mean, there's also Texas and Notre Dame and a couple other schools in there as well. But the real big ones are going to be Oklahoma, Nebraska, and this is an opportunity for Nebraska to really kind of show that it can go toe-to-toe with Oklahoma in the region, and that's a big thing. I mean, Oklahoma is a hot name in recruiting right now. For whatever reason, uh, there's a lot of kids in the area that you're talking St. Louis, Nebraska wants to get into St. Louis. It's about every kid in St. Louis has an Oklahoma offer right now, and Oklahoma's their favorite. I mean, whether it's Shimon Cooper, whether it's Marcus Washington, Isaiah Williams, all from the Trinity Catholic School, all of those guys like Oklahoma at the moment. Michael Thompson from St. Louis ended up at Oklahoma. Ronnie Perkins from St. Louis ended up at Oklahoma. They've done a really nice job. Of, of really hitting the region. And that's the kind of team that Nebraska, in my opinion, to be successful and to really build this thing, if you're going to win in the, the Midwest, that's the team you got to beat out for some of these guys. Not all the time, but you got to be able to do it a few times a year. They even got they got Buki. Well, I was, I was going with regional guys. I know. Yes, they, they did. And TJ Pledger. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we could make a, a list of notable names that they ended up with. That uh, Jalen Redman. They just took everything down to the floorboards, basically. Pretty much. So, but uh, it's going to be a fun series when those teams play each other in a few years. If Nebraska is able to build its talent level up, I mean, those are two games to be excited about for sure. The, uh, the other news of the week, I guess, piggybacking on last week, Nebraska did pick up its third commitment of the 2019 class. Uh, that would be Ethan Piper of Norfolk Catholic. Uh, BC, you talked to him. He was pretty thrilled about the offer, I'm assuming. Very thrilled. Um, him and Garrett Nelson sh- strike me very similar guys, just the way they're, I mean, they're kind of fun to talk to, and they just have that way about them where you can tell they've like been paying attention to Husker football since they could crawl, basically. And so, you know, it goes back to what Frost and the staff has been saying. Uh, since they arrived here they they want those kids in the program I think in a way to kind of set the you know the level of almost caring like where it just kills you if Nebraska football loses a game and have those type of kids and then the other guys who aren't from around here kind of pick up on it and how much it means to those kids locally and I'm not saying guys out of state can't do that themselves they surely can and be their own leaders but I but I think there is something to that when you're around it all the time and you know how fans react to wins and losses and so these type of kids um, definitely fit that part but I also think I'm interested what you guys say but I'd say all three of the kids they have in the 19 class in-state guys I don't feel like any of them are reaches at all and that's that's the important thing I, I, I have seen in the past where I've seen Nebraska offer a kid locally and I've kind of wondered I don't know maybe they're they're extending a little bit just hoping that's going to work I don't feel that way in this case really well what I like about all three of those kids is they all have versatility I mean Snodgrass can play either side of the ball he could grow into being a defensive end or a linebacker or a tight end Uh, and then you've got Nelson who could grow into being a defensive end or an outside linebacker and then Piper who could be a defensive end or a defensive tackle and so you know, we talk about this staff a lot and what they do in terms of ignoring positions because they just want guys that can play football and get them on the field and let them go. I mean, you got three guys right in your own state mm-hmm. that can do that. And there's another two more they really want, Chris Hickman and 
and Nick Heinrich, both of which are probably a little bit more position locked. Uh, but I, I think that I'm with you. All these guys really, it, it's a good, it's going to be a good three year cycle of in state talent. They're, and I, I think that they've hit, you know, they've hit on three of them. And they're going to hope to hit on five. And there might even be some other guys that could end up with offers by the time it's all said and done. There's little stuff too where you pick up stuff about a kid and i think it was interesting last week it was a wednesday when ethan piper got called by scott frost and he didn't expect it to happen he's talked to shenander for about 10 minutes on the phone and then it got handed to frost and frost made the offer and piper had just finished a workout at his school well ethan piper didn't go tweet it out or anything and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it but he didn't make a big production about it another media outlet would eventually tweet it out but he went to youth group didn't bring it up to anybody until somebody there just said, hey, we, I saw you got offered from Nebraska. And then, of course, he told everybody, yeah, that happened, and they had ice cream and stuff. I just thought that was kind of a fun story about a kid who's like, he, one of the biggest moments in his life happened, and he didn't, like, point at himself and make a big deal about it. He just, you know, went about his business, and then as people asked him about it, he answered. But I, I thought that was kind of said something about his personality. Thoughts on Piper? How many how many in-state guys do you think Nebraska ends up with at this point? Like in this class? They got three now. I'm going to say four. I think they'll get one of the Burke guys. Just one of them? No extras? Uh, I think it's more likely they get Chris Hickman than Nick Heinrich at this point. I but think it's possible you get one, maybe you get both. And the thing about it is this is the perfect time for Nebraska to be chasing two guys that might be looking to go elsewhere because you've got – Again, in Barrett Root, I think the best possible recruiter for Nick Heinrich. And then you've got the excitement about this staff. I mean, if they go out and they achieve, you get the spring game, you get people excited there. You get both of those guys at the spring game, which I expect that they will be. Um, You get them around the staff. You get them excited about what's going on here. All of a sudden, it's no longer the Nebraska you knew and you grew up with. It's the Nebraska that you can go be a part of that's going to be different. That's what they got to sell. I mean, that's you're not selling what these kids already knew. You're trying to create an experience for them that's totally different than they ever thought possible. And so I think they can be successful with that. But I'm not there's, – there's a lot of obstacles to overcome with each, no doubt about it. I'll say six. You think they get them both plus another? Well – I don't know if they'll get them both. I just think I could see this staff in their first full cycle. Yes, they could get both, but I'll, I'll bet they get at least one. And then I, I would, if I had to guess, I don't know who the kid is. I don't even really want to speculate, but I think there'll be somebody else that pops up and maybe even another. Like, cause I just think this is a type of staff where um, they're going to want to make a statement this first year, especially that, you're not getting out of town or out of the state borders if, if you if we think you can play. And so I'll go high end on that and say six. I don't see it going much beyond that. I think some people would even think that's pretty high. But, you know, already halfway there, and we know they'd love those two kids at Burke, and I don't discount that they could get both of them either, even if it is a tough fight. I think five. It's a good, like, right I don't, in the middle. I, I don't know that they get both guys from Burke, but I'm, I'm imagining a scenario like you just laid out where you see a senior offer jump in there somewhere. Some guy we don't even know a lot about right now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that I mean that tends to happen. I don't. I don't. I wonder if it, there's going to be stuff, you know, like David Engelhop situations. I don't know if we'll see as many of those anymore. I think they'll maybe make their decision. This is who we are offering, and mm-hmm. um, you never know what can happen in the eleventh hour. But Engelhop, of course, was the kid they got. You know, a day before signing day, and they took the chance that he would still come to Nebraska, even though they didn't offer him to the very end, and he did. So yeah. I don't know if that'll still happen or not, but yeah, it's going to be that first camp cycle is going to be pretty interesting to kind of determine who who really sticks out for them because I I think they probably have an idea as to what they're looking at in terms of walk-ons and what they're looking at in terms of you know if they want to make offers, but then they're going to have the opportunity for these kids to show up and blow them away and. They've clearly shown that they're going to take kids from the state. There's no doubt about that. All right, well, I don't know where we're at. Stats department, what are we at time-wise? 40, 40 minutes. You can make. You should make a final predict. was a big deal because somebody said they're going to go 8-4 and four the first year. Yeah. Yeah. Sporting News Weigh said – on that. Sporting News says Nebraska is going to go 8-4 and four this year. And Scott Frost's first year. I threw it out um, – to the board, uh, to social media about whether or not you would be satisfied as a Nebraska fan with eight and four in Scott Frost's first year. Right now, after it's been up for three hours, it's sitting at 94% are saying that they would be satisfied and probably smoking a cigarette afterwards if Nebraska <laughs> goes eight and four this season. What do you guys think of that? That sounds about right to me. I mean, I, I, I think part cigarette of it, thing. Which part? All of it. <laughs> I can see all of it. I mean, I think. Well, they just saw four and eight for one, but I think people have also believed this 2018 schedule now has them like playing the Patriots every week. I mean, it's kind of been built up into that sort of thing. Until you get closer to the season <laughs> starting, and then it's going to be all those teams get turned into a version of the Patriots that won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Now, where I think it's favorable, though and we wrote about this a while ago, is as much as we look at the road schedule, which is difficult, the home schedule, if you can get your crap together and be just a solid outfit, there's no reason you couldn't... And I am not saying they're two-foot gimme putts. Nothing is for Nebraska now, but there's no reason you couldn't win like six of seven at home if you were just a solid team against the schedule in front of them. So that's where I would say you could get to eight... But, I th- yeah, I think if they get to 8-4, people should be ecstatic because 2019 you have some key guys coming back and you've got a schedule that opens up probably a little bit more than this year. And you have guys that are probably going to have a better feeling for what they're doing in terms of the offense and how that all works. So you, you, If you go 8-4 and four with that schedule and a first-year starting quarterback, I mean, that's pretty – It'd be really good. I think you would probably take it right now and gladly go to Jacksonville for New Year's Eve. Or New Year's Day morning. I don't know if you would you get Jacksonville? I don't know. That's always my worst case scenario. Nebraska's due for Tampa, aren't they? We've been saying that for years. Yeah, just never they they haven't won enough games to get to Tampa. They gotta get to nine and three, maybe. Uh, Yeah. I think they're headed to San Diego if we want to just make predictions. I'll put them in the holiday bowl for two thousand and eighteen season. Heard it here first. Were they playing? Well, Mario Cristobal coached Oregon. Yeah, I could see that. You think if Scott Frost just were completely honest with you and you said, "Hey, you're eight and four first year," he'd take that in just a second. 
Yes. Yeah. I think he would. So do I. That eight and four stands out because the quarterback situation to me is so up in the air. I mean, if if you think they're going eight and four, then you probably think they found a long term solution at quarterback, which means you're probably pretty confident what this team's going to be in the future. So that's where I struggle. I mean, if you give me six and six and seven and five, I feel a lot more confident that that's going to happen. I just have a tough time knowing, or not knowing, but prognosticating when I don't have a clue who's going to be their starting quarterback, let alone, you know, week one, but maybe even week four. I, I think they could have multiple guys start games this season, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. And I don't think the rest of the team is so good that they're going to be able to win games even if you're getting nothing out of your quarterback spot. Get you an 8-4 and four record with a quarterback by committee? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, so is it, if, if you feel like they're going to go 8-4, and four, or if you think that's possible, what you're saying is you're pretty confident that someone's going to emerge as the quarterback and really be able to run this offense. And that doesn't even say anything about the fact that this defense could be real bad. I mean, we haven't really gotten into that, but I... They're not going to be any worse than they were last year. Oh, they could be. No. Oh, they absolutely could be. How? How could it possibly be any worse <laughs> What do they year? have? Okay. Most of the pieces are the same. Yeah. You're telling me that Eric Chenander is going to run a worse scheme than well, what Nebraska did last season. No, but, I mean... I don't necessarily think that because your pieces are the same, they're going to get better, or that you're changing a defense, you're immediately going to get better. You still have issues of the secondary. You still have issues in the pass rush. You still don't really know what you have linebacker-wise. you got a bunch of guys that you're probably excited about. They will be better. I ugh, They will uh, be better. I wouldn't definitively say that. They will be better, but I like the kind of do- dose of – douse of uh, cold water that you're throwing on in a little bit. I got bit. a lot of cold water. I like that. They're uh, not going to be a top 10 defense, but they're not going to go out and give up 700 yards to Penn State. I I will say that because I, I remember when we were sitting there watching that thing in the first half, there's such a thing as being a bad football team, and then there's such a thing as Nebraska's getting beat worse in this first half than like I'm trying to think of a really crappy team right Akron. now. Like Western Carolina should be getting beat on right. the first Saturday in September in Happy Valley. I mean, you wouldn't if if Western Carolina were giving up the yards that Nebraska was, you'd be like, man, that's pathetic, Western Carolina. What's wrong with you? And that that's where I think, yeah, the it's so low to the ground. I like to make motions for the radio audience as I talk. I have my hand really low to the ground right now. That there's nothing they can do but jump a decent. Like Minnesota is going to no. have that kind of a game against Nebraska again. <laughs> not without Shannon Brooks, they're not. Yeah, Denver, <laughs> their other uh, their quarterback's gone too. <laughs> I see it as being a defense that could be like in the '60s or '70s. Don't don't you kind of picture that? Yeah, and that's fine. That that would be measurably so, better than last year. Yeah, I mean statistically, they they're probably going to be better than last year, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have more wins or they're going to. Be, I think they could be really bad defensively. I really do. I like I like that take. I like that it's on our because everybody's site, so you know. focused on the offense <laughs> that it's like, oh yeah, this thing that was real bad last year. Where did it get better? Now the other part I'd say is it's really, really tough to go four and eight if you're a school like Nebraska. Like you should automatically just win like two more games yeah. just by kind of like I mean, learning how to walk six, straight. I think coaching on that side of the <laughs> ball, just attitude will make a big difference. 
like, I, I do. I'm not even getting into personnel because you're right. Like a lot of those pieces are back, and it's a stretch to assume that they're going to get markedly better. I think that they will get better just based on who is coaching them. Yeah, I. I mean, I feel like we had a similar conversation last year too. You have a different defensive coordinator, and you're coming off for performances against Iowa, Ohio State, Tennessee, and it's like, well, they can't get worse. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have a different defense. You're gonna have a different defensive coordinator. This guy's a Broyles winner. But at the same time, no, no, I get it. I'm just saying I don't want to fall in this trap of, oh, well, it's different. They'll be better. That defense could still cost them six to seven games. Six to seven games. Yeah, that's six and six. You think five and seven? Yeah, they could go. Look, I'm all the options are on the table. They don't have a quarterback and they don't have a defense. I'm not saying eight and four, but I'm not just like it's not just going to be the defense if if things go. Well, south. Sure, but I'm saying you have to if your offense is good enough to account for a bad defense. What if your offense is just okay and your defense is still bad? That doesn't mean you're going to win eight games. Doesn't mean you're going to win six games. They're going four and eight. I, I'm just saying. I tempered some here, of this You heard it here first. Four and eight again. <laughs> I am Mike not Schaefer predicting four and eight. I think that six and six and seven and five is probably where I would fall on this. That's not markedly far from eight and four. No, obviously, that's fair. The beauty of it is to kind of connect it back to the, our discussion earlier about pressure. Is they don't have a lot of pressure this year. You know, it's not like a deal where each week they're no one's going to pick them to win the division. You know, and as the season goes on, guys are going to still care in November, I would think, because they know the staff's going to be around here a, a while. And unlike this year where it's like, well, this is over, you know, by early November and guys are just going through the motions, that's not going to be the case. So I think that alone probably gives you a couple more wins, even if the schedule's a little more different. You could also look, I mean, they were maybe fortunate to beat Purdue last year, but even at four and eight, like, they had to really screw around to lose to Northern Illinois. They had to screw up in the red zone to lose to Northwestern at home. If they would have just kicked a field goal, you know, when they're inside the 20-yard line in the fourth quarter, they probably win that game. Oregon is a game if you don't throw the ball to the other side four or five times, you win. So, I mean, if they can win the turnover battle, unlike last year at times, I think they they – win two more at least just off that i'll say seven to eight is this like the sweet spot seven to me is like the sweet spot guess yeah right if now. somebody came yeah. to me with seven and a half is the over under i would probably lean towards the under yeah no i think seven is probably a good. yeah that would be the good that would be the number i would set people will set it lower i bet don't you think like the don't you think they're gonna set it at like six or so or I mean, going into last year i didn't think it'd be set at five and a half so unless the vegas boys just love them some frost they might <laughs> it's like eight and a half yeah, do we know what they're, <laughs> they're trying to we win. know what their against the spread numbers were last year this is very important they're trying to win back all that money they lost in nebraska basketball <laughs> this year i think they won a lot of that back on michigan and illinois from somebody sitting at this table so Christopherson, I know. I like like that spirited debate you guys had just now, though. Bruns thinks I'm crazy. 
Well, I yeah, he's just saying we saw about the worst possible defense you could ever I, see. I'm just trying to imagine a scenario where any defense that Nebraska plays this year is worse than what we saw against right. Minnesota and Penn State. And, and my argument isn't that they're going to be worse statistically or even aesthetically. It's just that any gains they make don't necessarily equate to the fact they're going to win more games. You're saying they, yes, they could, they'd probably be a little better, but they could still be bad because right. they were that bad. Right. Whatever the baseline of like, yeah, okay, and then under that is bad. I think they could still be in. You the know what? Bad. Eric Chenander said the same thing in a way at Grand Island when he's talking to fans. He said, "I don't know what we have. You know, we could be way better than we think, and it's possible we got a lot of work to do and personnel pieces to find. You know, so I, I they don't know. I know that like when they took over UCF though, and this is one reason that I was kind of goading you on a little bit. Was <laughs> also because you enjoy it and you're a terrible person. That's true. Uh, I like picking on the young. Um, <laughs> when they took over UCF, I mean, as much as they struggled at times in that first six and six season, I mean, defensively, they created a lot. They they did well. They were really good. They were really good defensively. That's why I think that perhaps you will see an improvement, even if it doesn't reflect in the win loss record. I think that that defense will be. Yeah. Well, I mean, they. They found the greatest combine performance of all time sitting in their backfield on the bench. They did. Moved him to linebacker and turned him loose. This, yeah. The sad truth is... If Antonio Reed can do that, Nebraska's defense is probably going to improve too. Breon Dixon. Yeah, the sad truth is that UCF, two years ago, even then, probably had more talent stocked up down there. Better athletic yeah. talent. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, you get split in hairs the rest of it. But yeah, definitely. Well, there you go. Somewhere between four and eight and eight. See, and aren't four. you glad we saved football for last? Imagine if we yeah. started on this and then we'd have to figure out how to finish the rest of it. I mean, we would have been fine. Yeah. We'd have just been arguing over <laughs> Nebraska baseball pitching at that point. Yeah. It's a sad, dark place to be. <laughs> There's a question. You think the pitching staff will be better than the defense for the football team? Ooh. We're out of time. Look at that. All right. Well, we'll try to answer that and many other questions when we come at you next week with the Nebraska 24-7 podcast.